Hello and welcome back to uh, our podcast. It's a bit of an odd one this week. Um, we have, technically we've already done episode three, um, but episode three became corrupt and was lost. So uh, we're now, what we're going to do is, although we're sort of recording this after the fact, this will go out as episode three so that uh, when when you look in the, the uh, box cast, is it? When you look at box cast and you look at our podcast, it will have one, two, three, four, and five um, instead of one, two, four, five, six. I hope that made sense. And uh, so this week, we're going to look at um, how social media has impacted our hobby. Um, and no one can doubt that it has impacted our hobby. It's impacted it in a massive way. Um, it, it, it's just incredible the amount of things now, whether it's research um, before you, if you wanted to research something, it would be down to the library or the bookstore, get a book, um, or you would have to go to a museum to look at the actual pieces themselves. Um, but now with uh, a few clicks of a mouse and, uh, you know, a few keystrokes, you can be looking in the interior of a Spitfire, you can be looking at the... Um, the instrument panel of a Harrier. Um, you can be looking at um, submarines under the water. The, you know, it's just endless. The uh, the amount of detail that we can get now that we couldn't get before um, has had a profound effect on modelling as a whole. Um, and, and to put it, well, to be quite blunt, Google is our friend. Um, the internet is our friend. Um, many people, you know, are anti-internet. Well, I say many, you know, some people are anti-internet. Um, but for better or for worse, it is there now and uh, it's there to stay. Um and actually, for once, I don't really know how to open this up. Um, because for me, it's quite a dried and cut um, case, you know, that, that you know, it, it's a definite benefit. Um, so I'm hoping that um, Josh or John has got some uh, other input on this because I'm a bit flummoxed on this when I've got to admit. Well, basically, the internet's changed everything, hasn't it? Same as you says. At the click of a button, you're looking at something you're, you're building, right? But also, yeah. at the click of a button, you've bought your latest kit or you've bought your latest pot of paint or your latest set of tools, brushes. Yeah, yeah. It, never thought of that. It, yeah. It, it's altered everything, but it's got its good points and it's got its bad points. The good points are is you've got access to all sorts of stuff from different genres and stuff now at your fingertips. But on the other side of the coin, it's killing the model shops off. Ah, yeah, now that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, this because, is, yeah. I don't know what it's like over the pond in Josh's neck of the woods, 
But round by where I am, uh, if you go back, what, 20 odd years, I've got about six or seven model shops I could choose from. Now, I've got one that my mates just set up, and that's it. The nearest other model shop to me is Birmingham. Or uh, the one at Stoke. It's two in Stoke, I think. But either way, I've got an hour's drive. Whereas yeah. before, just five-minute trip down the road, ten-minute trip down the road, no problem. And what's and, and what's so? Um, I know John's got a friend that, um, uh, as he, as he just said, has, has got a shop, uh, bricks and mortar business. Um, how does he feel about the internet? Is he does he embrace that side of it, or does he loathe it? Or um, the downside to it is, he wish he had the scope and the space to do uh, have an internet shop. But it's same as Mike said. He's only a little one-man band in a little shop, but he tries to compete with internet prices. Because it's same as he was saying the other week when I was talking to him, right? If he didn't talk, didn't sell his kits at internet prices, he would go under. Yeah. Because I've been in there when people have come in and they've turned around and says, oh, I'll, I'll give you such and such. Uh, what was it? Uh, that was it. It was a, the Revel Boxing of the Phantom, the FGR2. Yeah. Uh, Mike had got six of them on the shelf, right? And he'd got them up for 22 quid. Right, which is a little bit under retail price. Yeah. Right? And it's round about give a give or take a couple of quid, the price that they're selling on the internet. Right. And the guy comes in and goes, Oh, I'll, I'll give you twenty quid for one of them phantoms. And Mike turns around and says, Nah, sorry, mate, it's the price on the tickets. You'll have to get cheaper off the internet. And Mike just turned around and said to him, Right, you go pay twenty pounds off the internet for your kit. If you can find one for twenty pounds. Right, and you can have a minimum of three pound or three pound seventy five postage on the top. Where if you pay me twenty two pound now, you walk away with the kid. Hmm. And the guy undernard. Now I think I'll leave it. Half hour later, he came back and bought one. Yeah, he probably so, found out he couldn't get the uh, the other one at the price he was. Well, this is it. This is it. What well, is like, like what, what Mike said after he'd gone. He'd either tried to be tried to pull a fast one, or not done his research and found out that he couldn't actually get one for that price on the internet, and the price Mike was selling them for was a fair enough price. So he went back and bought one. Yeah, but the problem is, any customers in the shop at that time will have heard that exchange. Oh yeah, and they will go away thinking, "Well, they're twenty quid on the internet. They won't check that price." Uh, take that as given. Yeah, but the thing is, Mike's only open on a Saturday and a Sunday, right? I went back the following Sunday to pick some stuff up that I'd ordered, and he'd only got one phantom left. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it definitely has impacted the uh, the the bricks and mortar businesses. Um, we've got um, we've got a, a model shop in Northampton we've well we've got two um one is hobbycraft uh which hobbycraft's hobbycraft it's not it hasn't got a great selection 
Um, it mainly does, well, it does Revel, um, Airfix, and Italeri, and that's it. Yeah, they used to call it. They used to carry some Tammy kits, but they get the few far between now. Oh, sorry, all. yes, uh, Tamia as well. So my apologies. Um, and yeah, they 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 carry those kits. Um, then I've got another shop, uh, which is like a dedicated hobby shop. And I went in there. I never ever forget the first time I went in there. They had no interest in me whatsoever because I'd never been in there before. Um, I was going in, I was asking lots of questions and uh, it was almost like they couldn't be bothered. Um, it was almost like I was um, a burden on their time. There was nobody else in there. Um, and then a couple of other people drifted in which were which they obviously considered as um, more valuable because they went off talking to them, um, and so they've done themselves a disservice there because I stuck with the hobby, and I went on to spend a lot of money with an online. Um, well, I used Mike Jolly, as everybody probably is aware. Um, now, if I'd have been treated better in that initial exchange, things could have been different for them. And I know um, me as just one person, it makes no difference to them. But if they treat everybody that goes in there new, if they treat everybody the same, then all, all them pennies soon add up. You know, I think... Um, People that run shops have to make a good impression, even more so now than uh, than they might have done 15 years ago. 15 years ago, they could probably be as brash as they wanted with customers coming in because they didn't have to compete with somebody online. Uh. Um, but now they, they do have to compete. Um, and the, the online people that are selling, they, they've eliminated that face-to-face -face element so they don't have to they can be the most horrible person in the world because the other person at the other end is not going to know um yeah, well, this is it it's a bit like mike right <clears throat> you go in he's got a coffee machine you can have tea coffee bottle of water bottle of pop all right and because he's working with the traders that are around him, right? If you fancy a sandwich or a piece of cake or a, a cake or whatever, yeah. something to munch on or something, right? All he does, he, he just literally rings them up because he's in the shop. He'll ring the shop and he'll say, oh, I can't remember what the girl's name was, but he'll ring them up and say, oh, this is a, I've got a couple of customers in there. It's like we was in the other week. And uh, he just picked the phone up. He says, uh, I tell you what I tried the other day. I tried some such and such as walnut and date cake. You fancy trying a bit? So uh, he got on his phone, texted her, and within about five, ten minutes, she turned up with a, a tray with little boxes in of walnut and date cake. Yeah, try a piece of that. Wow. Now, that, that I've never been in a shop that, that has a service like that, I must admit. Yeah. 
So that's well, quite unique. I would, yeah, I, I, I would definitely go back to a shop like that. Well, it's, it's like Mike turned around and said, right, she's come that over, she's bought that over with a few little nibbles, right? Yeah. yeah it might cost him a tenner, right? But you're in the shop, you're going to be spending the minimum of a tenner in his shop. Yeah. Right? So if you go in his shop and you like that, or you're knocking about in town a bit later on in the week or whatever, and you fancy something to eat, you go, oh, I'll tell you what, I had a piece of cake or I had a bacon and egg butty from that shop which is down there. Let's go have a bite to eat. Then you can go in and they do full course meals. And so, so it's one helping the other. Yeah. Wow. And that's what Mike's, that's how Mike does it. How's it in the States, Josh? So at least in my area, there there's one really, it used to be a really, really good hobby shop and just seems like over the last, I'll say two years, to be fair, there used to be two, two, two aisles or an aisle with two shelves going the whole length. And it used to be completely full from one end to the other with just model kits. Yeah. And now I bet you you could put everything on one side. And even then, that is starting to decrease with all the little. And it's one of the better shops in the area. And do you put that down as a direct result of the internet? Do you think that's a direct result of the internet that that's happening? No, I don't. And it's because I had a Hobby Lobby move into my area. And if you have a 40% off coupon, you can buy a kit and then get a discount on the back end of it. It may not be, you know, all that, because they do raise the prices up a little bit, so you use the coupon, and then they make it up on the back end on some of the other kits. Um, but the online thing, I, I, I mean, at some point, all these little bitty shops, they're they're gonna have to have an online business if they want to stay running. I I think the only reason I have a hobby shop still in my area is because of uh, RC cars. Yeah, that's the, I mean that's the thing. A lot of these hobby shops, um, they're there as a secondary concern. For example. The hobby shop that I've told you about that's where I live is mainly um, a railway hobby shop. Um, so it that, that's its main business, Maybe. railways. And its secondary stuff is like all the models that we build and the paints and everything. Um, and uh, so a lot of places I find are like that. They're, they're there for another thing, and the models have sort of been added as a sideline. Well, I, I mean, and it doesn't help that a lot of the kids now are going to the tabletop games, which has a big online presence. Um, so you're on about Warhammer. Yeah, Warhammer, you know, the figure stuff. But the tabletop yeah. games seem to be the thing every young kid is going to. Why? Because it's a social interaction. 
You have to put it together. You can paint it if you want, or you can just play without paint, right? Yeah. I mean, you can go to a tournament and kind of have fun for three or four days or however long those games last, right? I must confess, I'm just getting into the Warhammer uh, scene. So... In the uh, last, in the last probably year, I have I have one hobby shop, and then there's like in the last year there's probably been four of the board game shops open up, and they're successful because you can see kids move in at them all the time. Um, they have board nights, gaming nights, painting nights, so they they keep the and I think that's why the other shop's dying, too, is they're not very interactive with everybody. It's all about, hey, this is the product we have, and, you know. Do you, think, do you think if if the our modeling hobby with planes and cars um, started doing, our model shop started doing that, um, started having painting nights and building nights. Do you think that, that they could maybe make a, a big comeback? Um, I, I I don't think so <coughs> because a lot of those have got to be licensed. You have to have a licensing agreement to have, or at least that's what I've been told. You have to have because you have to sell it at a certain price and all yeah. that, right? Yeah, there's definitely a lot more to it than just, you know, we'll open up on this night and do this. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, well, it's a bit like this with Florida at the moment, isn't it? He's just opened that place up in Doncaster. Right, basically, it's 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 a model shop stroke warehouse. Yeah. Right, but last weekend, Phil was up there and he was doing airbrush troubleshooting. So if you've got problems with your airbrush and stuff, you took it up and he uh, went through it with you and showed you how to refine your use of an airbrush or how to repair it or how to service it. Yeah. And uh, he'd got a selection of his own airbrushes up there that you could try out because yeah. he said, he was saying, right, an airbrush is a pretty personal thing down to the owner. Yeah, right. it's like I'm a bit like Gil, right? <laughs> I've got loads. I've got over a dozen airbrushes and stuff, and it depends on what I'm doing. Depends on what airbrush I will use, right? So if I'm looking for really fine detail work and stuff like that, it's like the one that you've just ordered, Mark. Yeah, the Sota. So dark, right? I shall go for that, right? If I want you to do something, uh, if I'm undercoated or something, I'll use something that's got a big needle in it, pumps out the oil of paint. Yeah. Or on the other hand, I'll use my uh, Ardor and Steve back. Yeah. It, it depends on what I'm wanting to do, right? And uh, that's why Phil opened that up there. And I think he turned around and said that what he's going to be doing in the future is actual uh, airbrush classes. 
But um, yeah. Phil Flory does have a big online presence. So his social media. Um, yeah. Now, the question there would be, would he be as big as he is now without if you if you eliminated all his social media i don't think he'd be where he is now no uh, you think about it no because it's the social media side that that gets him his global platform yeah well I, I don't know about global i i would say big presence in your area right yeah well in our country He's actually got a, a US importer and stuff now for all his products. So, yeah, it is global then, yeah. But uh, that's, I think that's something that's happened over the last couple of months. He's actually got a US, well, a US importer for his products. So you can get his washes, uh, his pigments, his sanders and uh, other stuff. This important because he's just done a batch of uh, washes that he's just sent out. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how long before um, Josh comes on and says, uh, "What do you reckon to these floral sanders that have just turned up in my hobby store?" I believe it or not, it, unless it unless he actually distributes to some of the hobby shops, I probably won't see it. I'll have to go online to order that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's. It's online stuff. It's um, uh, a bit like Squadron Products. It's got one one importer, and at the moment, if you want his products, you go to his importer. Because if you were to order, say, a pack of his sanders from the USA, from the UK, it would cost you a fortune in postage. Yeah. yeah. So now he's got a US importer of his products, so you can actually cut down on your postage costs because you actually buy his products in the States. But at some point in the future, he is on about expanding that a bit further because I think it's, uh, I think it's on the East Coast that the importer is, but he wants to get the California side and over there as well. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, he, he, same as he turned around and said it's baby steps at the moment. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it, it just, just sort of reining it back a little bit. Um, the, the 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 fact doesn't change that we now have access to um, perfect example. Uh, so the stealth bomber, which is the one that leaks the fuel, uh. No, that was SR seventy one. Is that a stealth? Was that a stealth plane? I'm not. It flew that fast; no one could catch it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you wouldn't have got back in the day. You wouldn't have got photos of that. You wouldn't have been able to see anything about that. Um, now I, I built one. I don't know about two years ago. And there's actually a video of it being fueled on yeah. the in, in the hangar. I mean, um, drip, drip, drip. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, slightly digressing a bit, but this plane it sits on or jet it sits on the the on it on the tarmac, and they're pumping fuel into it, and it has to remain connected to fuel because it just leaks like a sieve. All over it, there is fuel running out. 
Um, and it's because of the panels on the aircraft. The, the aircraft doesn't actually seal itself until it gets up to, a, I don't know what the altitude is, but it, it has to reach a certain altitude and then the panels expand and they all fit and then the fuel stops dripping. So, so, so kind of like an SR-71 Blackbird then. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what he's on about, Josh. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's probably yeah, that's the one I'm on about. And 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 it's a, it's incredible because this thing uses um, over half its fuel just to take off. Um, so by the time it gets up to cruising altitude, it's already, you know, it, it's already <laughs> used over half its fuel, and it, you know, it's got to start looking for a refueling tanker somewhere. Um, and it's just incredible to see this thing as they fill it up. And it, I've never seen anything leak so much. Um, <laughs> it just made me laugh to see it. And the, the point being that you would never, ever uh, have seen anything like that. And then after it fuels, you don't see it again after that <laughs> because it is gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't think – it's their picture. There's got to be – I bet there's pictures of it flying somewhere. I don't I, think is there, I don't think there's any pictures of the instrument panel in one. There is. Oh, there is. There you go. I mean, I think it's since since the Blackbird's been um, decommissioned, there is loads of stuff that's actually come to the surface now, and stuff. Because I've got a couple of forty-eight scale ones and stuff, and the basic kit, cockpit tubs, NAF. So basically, I'm using the cockpit tub as a bl blank canvas, and I'm making all the dials and all the switches with photographs that I've got off the internet. Yeah. The only one you can't get very much of is the U2. Right. And the stuff, the, uh, the U2S and stuff like that, uh, the U2R, you won't find many photographs of inside the cockpit. That's why when Mr. May went up in his, he went up in a, an early U2 two-seater. All right, okay. So, um, I think this is going to be an early close to this one because it's a definite, um, as far as I'm concerned, you, there's, there's no doubt that the um, internet and social media has had a positive impact on modeling. Um, and we still haven't talked about YouTube yet. YouTube, well, I think has totally impacted the hobby like yes i'm glad you brought that up yeah yeah youtube uh oh man the amount of people now that have channels dedicated to the the hobby um i've got one josh has got one um i don't think john's got one but that's um that's uh, that's his choice that's uh bring too much flack <laughs> yeah so I mean, yeah, YouTube is. Uh, we were concentrating on the the sort of Facebook side of things, um, but yeah, YouTube is uh, a whole other realm, another another um, string in in the bow of the hobby, if you like. Yeah, well, this is it, isn't it? You've got YouTube now, right? Uh, you could go and buy a kit, and. You don't know what's in the box, but you can go on YouTube now 
and type in the kit you're thinking of buying and nine times out of ten somebody's either built it painted it or done a review of what's in the box yeah and many times you can see that before it's even come out which yeah. is amazing yeah well this this is it it's it's made it better for the model because at one time you <laughs> I don't know about mark and josh but Back in the days, I used to buy the kits because of that. The picture on the box lid. Yeah. I still do that. I still do that. Yeah. But nowadays, it can have a really awesome box lid, box art or whatever. But nowadays, with just a few clicks of the button on YouTube, you can actually see what's in the box. And, wow, that's expensive. £400 Lancaster. Is it worth it? Oh, I've just been spent 400 quid on it and it's got this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. I, I wish I'd have watched that guy's review on it first. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, you and where I think YouTube has really changed the hobby is like the hangouts part of it. Yeah. You can yeah. get eight people in a room or in a hangout from like every corner of the globe. Yeah, no, so, so uh, a prime example of this is um, many people that are in our hobby have um, have a, a mental health issue of some sort, um, be it depression or whatever. You know, there's a lot of people in our hobby that uh, have mental health issues. That's a fact. That's not, uh, you know, that, that, that's just a fact. It's also people like me and yourself are disabled. Yeah, and I mean, I, I also suffer from depression as well. And I have, uh, or we have a nightly hangout. So for those that are not aware, um, a hangout is an online telephone call. Uh, you've, you've each got your camera attached to your laptop or your computer and that uh, it's like a video call between up to 10 people. Mm. And we tend to sit and model. And that lasts the night. Uh, you know, sometimes it can go from six o'clock at night right through till two in the morning. Um, the, there's no cost. Um, you well, know, yeah, there's no cost from your um, the, the cost of your broadband obviously um but there's no per minute cost like a telephone call and you know we just sit there and model and we chat and we laugh and we tell jokes and we have fun and um that would have not been in fact that's only become available in the last i'm gonna say five years Oh, this, this is it, isn't it, Mark? It's the internet has made modeling more sociable. Yeah. Yeah. So now I've, you know, whereas before I would have just been sat building me and me alone, um, whereas now I've, I've got friends all over the country, all over the world. Um, I've, you know, and the, I can talk to them about my models. They can talk to me about theirs. We can swap ideas. And it's become a really sociable thing. And that's all thanks to uh, the internet. Yeah, but the downside is, is the trolls. Yeah. That is um, the only thing that spoils it. 
Yes, no, no, no podcast would be complete without mentioning the negatives. Um, and where there's positives, there's always negatives. And yes, so you get trolls. And uh, so basically, for those that don't know, a troll is, if you just think of it as, if you just think of, in, in its most base fashion, the troll under the bridge, you know, the, the billy goat's gruff, the old, the old uh, fairy tale of the troll that lives under the bridge, the meanie that uh, wants to charge the goats and that. And it's pretty much the same, basically. You, you, get, you get some people out there, they're very nasty, and they will come on and try and cause grief, mayhem, um and yeah yeah they'll do anything they can to discredit people um they're generally just very unpleasant and uh they can cause lots of problems i'll uh take your word for that mark yeah i mean it's uh you're very lucky if you haven't come across any. You're very, very lucky. Um, but, yeah, they are out there. Um, well, Gil will be able to tell you about it. Because I think Gil's been on the receiving end a couple of times with it as well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about... Um, but I think for a majority of people, they're able to come in and out of the different pages, different forms, different and yeah as long as long as you're kind of you know you just stay under the radar yeah and you keep an even keel you're nice you really yeah. you're really not gonna deal with a whole lot of trolls yeah it's just if you yeah. make yourself a target um but uh you know i i created a um i created some channels i i kept putting myself out there for videos and stuff like that so i i became a bit of a target to for, you know to some trolls um and and that's the sort of thing you've got to be wary of but generally if you're just modeling and you just want to you know drop into hangouts and have fun and make friends you're not going to come across these people. Um, they're not going to bother you. Uh, they tend to only bother the people that, uh, you know, are making themselves a target, as it were. I mean, and, and that's pretty much what I pretty much try to do is just try yeah. to be nice. I can go into almost all the pages, post, pictures, ask for feedback, get feedback back. And for the most part, you know, I mean, I have my moments. I'm, I'd like to think I'm a pretty funny guy, but you know, yeah. and I, and I don't mind going right back at him either. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's, 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 um, yeah, but there you go. I mean, it's, uh, so I think we're, uh, I think we've exhausted that one. We, any any other any other things that want to be brought up? Can't think of anything off the top of my head at the moment. Josh? No, I think I'm good. I mean, 
we've pretty much covered it. Yeah, yeah, we've pretty much. I mean, that was uh, we've done quite well there because honestly, I, I it's when when we suggested doing um, because obviously we have little meetings outside of these podcasts and we decide what we're gonna uh, what we're gonna talk about, and um, this one sounded like a really good uh, title. And it wasn't until I actually started the live link itself and I actually came on and said, you know, hello, this is episode three, whatever. I then started thinking, oh, oh, God, um, I don't think I can make this stretch because suddenly my mind went blank um, and I thought it was a clean cut case of, uh, you know, Internet is good. Uh, um, but thankfully we've, you know, we've made that, we've made it work out. Okay. Um, it's, uh, thanks to Josh and John for helping with that. No problem. And I think we're, so, um, now this is going to go in episode three is going to go in, uh i'm just trying to see i'm just trying to see where this drops in i don't know whether to drop this one in earlier than the the bi-weekly just to get it out so that it's there it could do it would stop people asking me about episode three <laughs> Um, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, so as it stands, uh, we've got we've had a great, great podcast with Gilbert Mondragon. Um, we had a superb interview with him, and that will be going out on the um, is it the 13th? Is that a Saturday? Yeah, probably. I'm just let me just see whether I can get my comes um, out this Saturday. Yeah, so yeah, it's the thirteenth that's coming out. So um, I've already put out uh, announcements saying that that's going out on the thirteenth. So what we'll do is we'll put that out on the thirteenth. This one we've just done. I will put out a week later on the twentieth. And then that will bring us back in line for the 27th. Um, and then on the 27th, we'll release whatever else we've done. Um, so thank you, everyone, for tuning in once again. Uh, don't forget, it's bi-weekly, so it's every other week this comes out. Um, we've got lots of other uh, subjects lined up. We've got lots of other guests lined up. Um, guests that I can confirm at the moment are Tiny Admiral, he will be coming on at some point. Mr. Mini Dreams, he will be coming on at some point. Um, and also we've got, uh, I think we've got Will Patterson. I'm, I'm not sure at the moment because he isn't getting back to me. Um, and, and if there's anybody that wants to come on the podcast, let us know. Yeah, if anybody wants to come on, then yeah, feel free. Um, 
Yeah, so Tiny Admiral, that's Mick Doherty for anyone that wants to know. He will be, uh, we will be questioning him about ships um, uh, because Mick Doherty is a ship builder. And uh, I've had to mention this before for anyone that's listening. I did say he's a ship builder. Just want to clarify that. Not the other type. Okay. So, there we go. Um, we will see you all very soon. Bye for now. Thanks a lot. Catch you later. See ya.